I'm Jennifer Brooks, sitting in for Doug Storm. Our show tonight is We Decline. Today we reimagine activism with two organizers of the upcoming January 20th event, Inaugurate the Revolution, a day-long no vote to President-elect Donald Trump. As we head into the inauguration of President-elect Donald Trump, a local group says no, no to the erosion of civil liberties and the end of any semblance of a democratic society. We welcome organizers of Inaugurate the Revolution, a group seeking to transfer power into the hands of the disenfranchised and to dismantle the systems of oppression that silence and make invisible so many of the country's citizens. To reimagine activism is to, de is to define revolution as a radical act of love. Joe Varga is an assistant professor of labor studies at Indiana University. He's a former Teamster shop steward and longtime labor activist, having worked for the IBEW and the New York State Working Families Party. He is currently working on a project detailing the spatial history of deindustrialization in southern Indiana. Joe is also active in Jobs with Justice and numerous other activist causes. Alice Corey is a Bloomington-based writer and photographer. She's a founding member of the Equity Collective, a participant in various local social justice initiatives, and an employee of the Jacobs School of Music. To get started, let me read from this new issue of Harper's Magazine, the opening to Trump, a Resisters Forum. We have a new president who is also a new kind of president. Our previous chief executives, at least those of the post-World War II era, were not in the business of outright bigotry and misogyny, nor did they make common cause with white supremacists, boast about sexual assault, or threaten to jail their opponents, nor did they openly deride and undermine the traditions and institutions that it is the president's duty to uphold. Donald Trump is different. As a once unthinkable trend presidency gets underway, it's time to recognize that we are not as impotent as we may have felt, that even if we cannot destroy Trump, we can resist his primitive vision to the best of our abilities. A new kind of president demands a new kind of citizen. Alice, Joe, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks. Thanks. So um, any introductory remarks just to kind of orient the audience to what inaugurate the revolution is all about? Well, yeah, first I, I want to say it is great to be back on WFHB Community Radio, real community radio, not like the fake stuff on NPR. Uh, if you have a few extra bucks, give it here and not there, or if you mm -hmm. can, give it to both. Um, but it's really great to be back, and it's great to be back on Interchange, and it's wonderful to be here with you. Um, I guess to orient us, the, the event is Friday. It is a day-long series of workshops culminating in a march and rally. It is open to the entire community. Uh, it is geared towards community activism, self-defense, community defense, uh, doing things ourselves rather than relying upon a failed state to do it, uh, and empowering ourselves and acting in solidarity. So we want everybody to come out and participate at whatever level uh, they choose to. 
That really speaks to that last line in that tr- in the uh, quote from Harper's about a new kind of president demands a new kind of citizen. Yeah, um, one of the things I want to emphasize, and I'm, and I'm not sure if this is universal, is if you look at our copy on the publicity that we've done and the way we've put this together, we really are trying to de-emphasize the Trump aspect of it. I mean, I am obviously, you know, I, I despise the human being and actually despise the executive branch of the government and and all of those kinds of oppressive institutions. So we're trying to take the emphasis off of that, even though I think it's pretty clear that we wouldn't be doing this if we hadn't experienced that national nightmare on November 7th. So for many of us, uh, I, I, I was thinking this morning about, uh, about Barack Obama, um, and I was thinking that like a lot of people, uh, the day after he was elected, I, I wept openly with a class that I was teaching at, yeah. at Brooklyn College uh, because it was such an important thing. But that that same spring, I was out in the streets with other activists uh, protesting his uh, planned deportation activities. Uh, I opposed him in 2012. I was one of like six people who didn't want him to be renominated for the Democratic Party. Uh, the same thing here. Uh, you know, if, if uh, the election had gone differently... I still would have been doing what I do, but there's no doubt that we wouldn't have this kind of groundswell for an event like this. So, yeah, um, it is about the Trump presidency, but it's also about a failed system. We have a failed system. We have a system that does not provide for democratic representation, and it needs to be changed. And that's really what our event is about. Great. Well, in some ways, you know, I've heard some people argue that the election of Trump provides an opportunity, like that moment that you're kind of referring to here to sort of um, stop pretending that Mm -hmm. democracy is intact in the United States. Has that been a part of your conversations at all as you imagined this event? Yeah, absolutely. Um, We... We acknowledge that we would probably not be able to put on this sort of event had Trump not been elected recently. Um, There just wouldn't be the kind of community outrage at the system. Um, So, so yeah, we're we're not necessarily we're well certainly not saying that the election of Donald Trump is a good thing for our country or communities, but um, it is kind of an opportunity. and it could go one way or another. And we're hoping to kind of jump in here and do really good work in the community to get the ball rolling in the right direction, kind of capitalize on this moment that is an awful moment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, there is a, a somewhat of a problem with um, the emphasis on, on Trump's election in a sense that what it, what it seems to have done and what we have to really kind of – I don't know, galvanize around is that it seems to have woken up a lot of people who may not have been noticing that our system is racist, that it's oppressive, um, that the economic inequalities in our system are savage. Uh, So it's one thing to say that, yeah, a bunch of people are now waking up to that in a real stark way because it's been put in their face like this. But we also need to emphasize that the problems are systemic and structural beyond just the single individual. So So what events or what aspects of Friday's events kind of speak to that that bit uh, specifically, or maybe maybe they all do. But I know there's a wide variety of 
events that are happening. So maybe it's easiest to get into this conversation by just talking about a few of the different um, things that you have planned. I, I'll, I'll start. I'll talk about a couple that I'm personally involved in. Um, one uh, event we're doing, we're, we're having a film screening of the documentary film At the River I Stand, which is about MLK's final campaign in Memphis, where he was he was assassinated. And one of the reasons and I'm showing that uh, courtesy of the Black Film uh, Center archives, uh, we want to thank them. They are providing the film and the, the, one of their directors will be over to introduce it. And Alex Lichtenstein from the uh, IU History Department is going to be joining me. And one of the reasons we wanted to show this film is to show the intersections between racial injustice and economic injustice. And this was some one of the things that... Um, it's interesting that it's King's final campaign, and of course it's tragic that he ends up uh, getting assassinated while he's in Memphis. But it was, uh, if you read what he was thinking about and what he was talking about with his um, his fellow civil rights workers down there, um, the Memphis campaign was a really transformative campaign for him, uh, recognizing that the anger that was being expressed, particularly by young African Americans in that city, was a righteous anger, even though it exploded into what people call violence now, which is with property damage in the city of Memphis during the first march. Um, King really came to see that that civil rights, in the sense of a legal set, uh, a legal framework that was passed in '64 and '65, was simply not enough. Uh, if the United States was still going to be dominated by a war machine, if it was still going to be based on savage economic inequalities, nobody was going to have justice. So, you know, the, the thing of no justice, no peace can arise from that, from that intersection of economic inequality and racial inequality. So we're doing that. That's at 1230. That's at the Waldron in room 103. And then uh, later that afternoon, I'm going to be doing a workshop at 345 on labor organizing. And we're going to be focusing on kind of non-traditional forms of organizing workers and organizing in the community using the industrial workers of the world as a kind of model for talking about how do you get out of what appears to be the failed union, uh, you know, a kind of official union structure and talk about alternatives. So we're, that's two things that I'm personally involved in that I'm really excited about. Sure. Um, and back back to your your question about what what in our programming kind of speaks to um, our our understanding of this moment, not as a moment of Trump, but a moment where there's this groundswell um, of political engagement and this, uh, this awakening to the idea that perhaps the state is not what we thought it was. Um, mm -hmm. we, have, we, have other, we have many workshops, we have 40 or more events going on, um, and a few of them uh, specifically address issues of uh, the system, the state. Um, some of them are, are more topical, uh, more focused in nature, but um, some of them are going to really delve into questions about our system and whether whether it's what we want, whether it's okay. Um, we've got one about moving beyond capitalism, which is, it's not, uh, it's not politics specific, but we, we kind of accept, uh, many of us, even, even the more liberal among us, we accept capitalism as our, as our system. And these folks who are presenting this are going to 
uh, make a case to move away or, in their words, beyond it, um, because uh, perhaps that's capitalism and our current system are not doing doing our people justice. Um, and I, I think that Trump, in a way, Trump is, he embodies what what the state was, what it always was, and what the state will continue to be if we do not choose to do something about it, if we do not stand together and make some big changes. Um, and so that's that's what some of these sessions are, are about. They're trying to say this is what we could what we could be if we if we come together and work on it um there's one called countering state repression where folks will be training uh giving people information and training folks on how to how to protect each other if the state probably when the state uh begins to clamp down more on uh protesters on dissent on free speech on our civil liberties um, Did I see it correctly in the news today that there was a, a bill being bandied around the Indiana legislature uh, that restricted sort of public assembly? Yeah, so that's absolutely. that's what we're talking that's about, huge. right? Yeah, that's what that's what we're looking at mm-hmm. presently. And, and that is, uh, you know, that's the kind of creeping uh, state oppression that you know kind of flies under the radar. Uh, right. When uh, when I was arrested two years ago on on MLK Day. When we blockaded the um, the bypass out by College Mall, um, I I figured um, I had somebody call my partner and say, you know, tell her I'll be home around eight, and it was about five o'clock. I didn't realize that they had made this enhanced penalty of a twenty four hour stay in jail for just that offense for obstructing traffic. So what the alleges the Indiana Assembly, uh, probably the most dangerous body in America, is up to right now is they are considering a bill that would enhance the penalty for ten or more people obstructing traffic and, and disobeying the order of a police officer. And that type of civil disobedience is the way that things change. And, you know, for them to be considering this around this anniversary where we all venerate this figure of MLK who said, you know, the only way to get people to pay attention is to shut things down and to right. disrupt the, the general flow of, of an oppressive system. For them to be doing this at this point is, is you know, that's what we're looking at, and that's what a lot of our workshops are about. A lot of our workshops are about trying to make sure that people, while they're concerned and while they can see that there's probably a more oppressive state coming, that they're not afraid, that they get back out with their community, and that they act in solidarity with their fellow citizens to say, "We are not going to just take that. We're going. We're not just going to, and we're not just going to defend ourselves. We're actually going to fight back." We're going to go on the offensive and we're going to do, as I said, on, on November 8th, we're going to send them running eventually. It may not be today and it may not be tomorrow, but that's what this is all about. This is this is not just about protesting and it's not just about being afraid of this new regime. It's about forming the defense of our community so that we can go on the offense because we are we know what our values are as a community and we will not have them violated without fighting back. Yeah. It seems to me, too, um, that that's part of this moment right now, too, is that uh, willingness to be inconvenienced, that willingness to put yourself on the line that's been missing f- sort of broadly in American society when you look at sort of the left. Um, there's certainly 
many pockets uh, where that's always been consistent and true. But, you know, when you sort of just speak broadly about resistance or even political dialogue, you know, it's been pretty comfy Mm -hmm. here in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm particularly particularly excited um, that we have a very representative um, group of folks signed up so far to attend our workshops and to participate in the march and the rally. Um, And I say representative uh, as far as Bloomington is concerned, especially the more, um, the core Bloomington. Um, But we've been, uh, we've been taking a look at our numbers here and there. We've got folks um, under 18. We've got folks uh, over 65. We've got a lot of people in the middle. Um, we're seeing registrations from people whose names we don't know, which is a huge indication that these these aren't just the same 25, 30 people mm-hmm. who show up to every rally in Bloomington. Um, we're, we're very excited to see this uh, this participation, these people stepping up and out of their comfort zones. And this is a work day, remember, you know? Right. I mean, right. Not, not everyone necessarily works, but um, a lot of people are taking off work, taking part days. Um, students are going to be skipping classes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's time for a break. You're listening to Interchange on WFHB. Our music for this break will be an instrumental version of Get Up, Get Out by Outcast. Support for WFHB comes from the Uptown Cafe, a Bloomington landmark since 1976, serving Cajun Creole and home cooking specials every Tuesday and Wednesday evening, featuring a full bar serving fresh, handcrafted cocktails. The Uptown Cafe is located in downtown Bloomington. More information is available online at the-uptown.com. Support for WFHB also comes from Bikesmith's Bicycle Shop, established in 1975. Bikesmith sells Cannondale and Giant bicycles. Services all makes and provides accessories. Open every day, a half block south of the courthouse and a half block east of the B-Line at 112 South College. That's where you'll find Bikesmith's Bicycle Shop.
Welcome back. This is Interchange on WFHB, and I'm Jennifer Brooks. Our show today, We Decline, Reimagining Activism, focuses on the day-long teach-in and protest rally Inaugurate the Revolution, taking place as something of a counter-event to the U.S. presidential inauguration this Friday, January 20th. Our guests are Alice Corey and Joe Varga, and we're going to kick this segment uh, off with a clip from Malcolm X from a speech called The Black Revolution from April 1964. Let's take a listen. America today finds herself in a unique situation. Historically, revolutions are bloody. Oh, yes, they are. They have never had a bloodless revolution or a nonviolent revolution. That don't happen even in Hollywood. You don't have a revolution in which you love your enemy. And you don't have a revolution in which you are begging the system of exploitation to integrate you into it. Revolutions overturn systems. Revolutions destroy systems. A revolution is bloody. But America is in a unique position. She's the only country in history in a position actually to become involved in a bloodless revolution. The the Russian revolution was bloody. Chinese revolution was bloody. French revolution was bloody. Cuban revolution was bloody. And there was nothing more bloody than the American revolution. But today, this country can become involved in a revolution that won't take bloodshed. All she's got to do is give the black man in this country everything he's doing. Everything. I hope that the white man can see this, because if you don't see it, you're finished. If you don't see it, you're going to become become involved in some action in which you don't have a chance. We don't care anything about your atomic bomb. It's it's useless, because other countries have atomic bombs. When two or three different countries have atomic bombs, nobody can use it. So it means that the white man today is without a weapon. If if you want some action, you've got to come on down to earth. And there's more black people on earth than there are white people. That, of course, was Malcolm X, revolutionary, uh, sadly assassinated February 21st, 1965, age 39. So let's talk about revolution. Um, Friday, there's going to be a bit of a revolution here in Bloomington, inaugurating the revolution, right? And we've talked a little bit already about some of the ideas that this is really an event that's sort of staking a claim for what this community is for versus just positioning it as against something that's happening in Washington, D.C. So, you know, in that last clip, Malcolm X, of course, is talking about overturning systems, destroying systems. And I heard on a, a one of your co-organizers, I believe, Stanley Njuguna, on Bring It On, mentioned that there had been some conversation about maybe doing a strike, and you decided that wasn't the way to go. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, interesting. Going back to our our previous conversation before the break, we were talking about what people are willing to do. And I find that in the last month and a half, I'm having conversations with 
just normal, ordinary people who are not kind of, I'm a political radical, who are not political radicals, you know, the type of conversations that I normally have with a small circle of friends, I'm now having with a larger circle of people who are, are seeing not only the present danger, but the systemic corruption that we're facing. Um, so yeah, going back to uh, to that and, and what you're willing to do, um, in the wake of the the election, I, I like everybody else. I, I woke up on on November eighth, and I was depressed, and I just I couldn't believe what had happened. And fortunately, I've been I've been blessed with this kind of psyche that that comes back from things pretty quickly. And then I got angry, and several other people in the community, Alice and others of who work with local groups, we got angry. We said we're not just going to sit here. And this was during the period when there was a, a lot of you know KKK stuff being spray painted on people's houses. Um, and we called that community rally, which I think was on the 18th of November. Um, it, it was it was right after the election. It was not far after the election. And all of the local groups that work with vulnerable populations showed up. We talked about how do we defend undocumented people? How do we defend refugees? How do we defend ourselves? How do we defend the LGBT community from attacks? Mm-hmm. And it was right after that that Stanley wrote me and said, because uh, I went back there, I looked at it. It was November 19th. He wrote me, and I had just met him um, uh, at the rally. And he said, hey, there's this talk about J-20 and a strike. You know, what's the feasibility? I don't want to do that if we can. And, of course, to say you're going to have a general strike is a, is a different thing from having a series of events and workshops. It means that people – you call people out of work. You try to stop all economic activity. Very few of them are pulled off successfully. Mm. So we kind of veered away from that and said, well, what can we do? What can we realistically do in a community like this? And we contacted some other people like Allison and Alex, who are the the core uh, of, of our little organizing group, and then branched out and talked about how can we bring our community together in solidarity for, again, not only defense of the community, but offense. How do we take care of ourselves and take care of each other in mutual aid? So that's that's that was the but that that rally that we had on that Sunday after the election, I thought that that was vitally important. I thought it, there were people were stunned. People were crying. Mm-hmm. Uh, people were terrified. And, and you know things were being yelled out of cars at people. Yeah. Um, and it was imp- really important, at least to me, it was vital to get this community back out on the streets, get them back out in public, get everybody back out and talking to each other. And this has kind of sprung from that. Our, our um, Inaugurate the Revolution event kind of sprang from that. Bringing everybody back together and making sure, because you know, we have a lot of good people here. Uh, making sure that everybody is, you know, knows that we have a community that's that's about solidarity and mutual aid. Yeah. To that end, you know, one of the things that's um, really uh, that I've noticed a lot about this event is that there are so many different constituencies, and that's tough to do. You mm-hmm. know, even when people are um, sort of share sympathies about what the problems are, there are often a lot of different paths to get to that point, right? So, I mean, it's quite quite an achievement that you've pulled this off. Any thoughts about how to, uh, how to make that happen or? Well, check in with us on Friday evening about <laughs> pulling this off. But um, as far as bringing diverse constituencies together, um, I think that's, that's one of the things um, that I'm, I'm, 
most proud of in our um, in our organizing um, that we've managed to reach out to so many different groups and we've gotten really really positive responses from folks on opposite ends of the activist spectrum. Um, so it's not just us. It's that I think it's a testament to the people in this community and the power of this moment that we're getting so, so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th- there was a, there was a very early conversation about the use of the word revolution. Mm-hmm. And, you know, several of us made certain points, uh, you know, one of them being that a, uh, we had an individual that almost got the nomination for the Democratic Party, one of our two main political parties, by running on a platform of a political revolution, and that was Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. So if it was good enough for Bernie Sanders, I think it was, it was good <laughs> enough for Bloomington progressives. But we did go back and forth about that, whether, revol- whether the term revolution would be off-putting to part of our community. And we worked with part of that community that you know where some of the leaders of that seg- segment of it initially kind of had hesitation about it and we worked through it. I thought we worked through it really well um, because we really want the whole community to be out. Um, I'm, I'm a coalition builder. I'm very proud of that. I, I mean, I have my own political point of view and sometimes I express really? it. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah. So, <laughs> sometimes I even express it. But my, my thing has always been, uh, Richard Pryor said in, uh, in a concert that he gave, he introduced Huey Newton in San Francisco in the early 70s and some of the crowd booed him because Huey, Huey was a controversial figure. And, and Richard Pryor said, no, 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 don't boo him. Be happy for anybody doing anything. Yeah. And that's always been my... My kind of approach to this if anybody if you're not sexist if you're not racist if you're you know if you're not you know if you don't have that those kind of prejudices or discriminations i will work with anybody who wants to work on progressive issues no All matter right. what part of the spectrum they come from so well we need to take care of some station business mm. real quick so we'll sit tight for a second this is listener supported WFHB Bloomington, Bedford, Ellettsville, Nashville, community radio for South Central Indiana, online at WFHB.org. The weather outside, 44 degrees right now, uh, low tonight of 36, high tomorrow of 45 degrees, slight chance of partic- precipitation on Thursday, 49 degrees with a 50% chance of part- uh, precipitation. Let's get back to interchange. All right, Alice, did you have anything that you wanted to add to those last remarks from Joe? Yeah, um, just just one thing um, about the, the nature of the event and our vision for it, which obviously is kind of, a, it's, it's an organic thing. Um, but, but one of our, our core values in putting this together is a respect for a diversity of activist tactics mm-hmm. and perspectives. And... Um, that doesn't mean that we all have to kind of join together under one one direction or one um, one mode of um, or activism. A full platform, right? You we don't we have don't to have to have we don't have to have a platform necessarily. But um, what we do need to figure out is what it is that we have in common, what we want to work toward, even if that's kind of something small to start with. And that's that's kind of the conversation we're hoping to start to have on Friday. Um, we're, we're inaugurate the revolution. This isn't the revolution on Friday, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the beginning of a very long struggle toward our shared goals, which we're still kind of teasing out, right? 
Yeah. And I should add, the weather forecast for Friday is 100% participation. (laughs) (laughs) This just in. You heard it here. Well, one of the things that struck me, Joe, was you talking about that sort of the community involvement. And I, I, um, I attended the rally you were talking about at the Sample Gates just after the election. And, and I needed that. I needed to be around people who I knew not everybody around me shared exactly the same concerns. And not every speaker spoke to what was sort of most, you know, deep and passionate in my heart. But I felt good because I was in a community where people went outside and all stood together. And sometimes I think we can sort of underestimate the power of just acts of solidarity. Sure. Of just being together. Of just being yeah, together. Yeah, that, I, I think that was the vital thing about that. And, and let me just add as well, that was happening throughout the community here during that yeah. month or, so, or yeah. so after the election. So many people came together. There were a lot of, uh, you know, just kind of house parties that, that people were inviting uh, other people to just say, hey, come over to the house. We'll have some food. We'll have some drinks. We'll talk about what we can do. Um, we'll talk about our, our fears and we'll talk about our hopes and, and, and we'll be together in solidarity. Solidarity is a concept that, um, that I, th- I really think we need to revive and we need to revive the, 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 the relationship of solidarity and mutual aid to community. When we talk about community, um, we talk about us. We talk about what is vital to us. Uh, and when we talk about so- solidarity, isn't just um, you know helping your neighbor bring in the groceries. It's making sure that your neighbor's health and well-being is vital to your health and well-being. Your neighbor's liberation is bound up in yours. I mean, those are the basic principles of solidarity and mutual aid. And it's something that I think most people embrace, and they embrace at a real kind of daily action level. But they don't talk about and they don't recognize that that is what they're doing and that that is actually what sustains us. What sustains us is not individual accomplishment. What sustains us is not our bank accounts. What sustains us is our interactions with other human beings uh, and, and with the non-human world and with our natural environment. That's what sustains us. Yeah. And that's about community and that's about solidarity and that's about mutual aid. And so that's that was what was so vital Um for that period of shock, of really shock afterwards. Because let's face it, uh, for most of us, um, even even I think for some people who supported this new regime, I think some of them were just doing it as a, as a real kind of message about being dissatisfied with a dysfunctional system. But this new regime is, a, is an affront to the norms and values that most of us adhere to on a daily basis. And just to see it... Um, you know, to see it emerge like that at a national level is just something that's really shocking. And I think it really did shock a lot of people. And to get back out again into the community, um, yeah, there's, there's few things that are more important than that. Yeah, and that's one of the questions, of course, going forward is, um, you know, whatever form this revolution takes, it it's probably gonna need to include people who were supporters of, of President-elect Trump, mm-hmm. right, over time. So. Um, you know, to me, that was one of the most powerful things was that idea of, of um, you know, you talked about what solidarity truly is, knowing that your neighbor's health and well-being is is tantamount to your own. But there aren't a lot of um, 
messages in our culture that support that idea, mm. right? You know, sure. we talked earlier about mm. the system of capitalism. Um, there is nothing that in it, that supports capitalism um, that is also about sort of you know brotherhood, right? Those those aren't messages that really go together. So. Um, you know, it'll be interesting, I think, to watch over the, the coming years to see, you know, some of those people that you mentioned, Joe, who who sort of made a vote of discontent and who are likely to not get satisfaction from this new president. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I think I think it's we have to strike a delicate balance here when we're talking about um, people who voted for Trump, because. Um, on the one hand, many of them were doing so um, in order to make this statement that they they did not accept the the status quo that they wanted to um, change the system in dramatic fashion. Um, but at the same time, in terms of solidarity um, in voting for Trump, th- many people um, rubber stamped uh, his bigoted mm-hmm. policies um, and opinions and. I think that that we we have to grapple with that in our attempts to bring these folks um, together or to to join with them in any way because they they have um, they they contributed they materially contributed to the uh, to the opposite of well-being so that they did the opposite of uh, enacting solidarity and. Yeah. And I think there needs to be a very difficult conversation yeah. around that. We'll, we'll talk a, a little bit more about that after our break, um, which it's time for. Our music this time is an instrumental version of Move Something by Talib Kweli and High Tech. This is Jennifer Brooks on Interchange on WFHB. More on the anti-inauguration day when we return. Support for Interchange comes from listeners like you and Smithville Fiber, a local provider of internet, voice, and TV service. Now also offering home automation and security systems for homes and offices throughout South Central Indiana. More information on Smithville's home automation service is available at smithvillesecurity.com. Support for WFHB also comes from the Uptown Cafe, a Bloomington landmark since 1976, serving Cajun Creole and home cooking specials every Tuesday and Wednesday evening. Featuring a full bar serving fresh handcrafted cocktails. The Uptown Cafe is located in downtown Bloomington. More information is available online at the-uptown.com.
This is Interchange on WFHB, and I'm Jennifer Brooks. Our show today, Reimagining Activism, focuses on Inaugurate the Revolution, which takes place this Friday, January 20th. Our guests today are Joe Varga and Alice Corey. We started our last segment with a clip of a Malcolm X speech from 1964. So let's get this one started with Martin Luther King Jr. Here's a clip from Remaining Awake Through a Great Revolution from April 1968. The hour has come for everybody and for all institutions, for the public sector and the private sector, to work to get rid of racism. Now, if we are to do it, we must honestly admit certain things and get rid of certain myths that have constantly been disseminated all over our nation. One is the myth of time. It is a notion that only time can solve the problem of racial injustice. And there are those who often sincerely say to the Negro and his allies in the white community, why don't you slow up? Stop pushing things so fast. Only time can solve the problem. And if you will just be nice and patient and continue to pray, in a hundred or two hundred years, the problem will work itself out. Well, that is an answer to that myth. And it is that time is neutral. It can be used either constructively or destructively. And I'm sorry to say this morning that I'm absolutely convinced that the forces of ill will in our nation, the extreme rightists of our nation, the people on the wrong side, have used time much more effectively than the forces of goodwill. And it may well be that we will have to repent in this generation, not merely for the vitriolic words and the violent actions of the bad people, but for the appalling silence and indifference of the good people who sit around and say, wait on time. Somewhere we must come to see that human progress never rolls in on the wheels of inevitability. It comes through the tireless efforts and the persistent work of dedicated individuals who are willing to be co-workers with God. And without this hard work, Time itself becomes an ally of the primitive forces of social stagnation. So we must help time and realize that the time is always right to do right. Yeah, I get to follow King, huh? Yep. That's it, <laughs> No, I, I mean, what, what, he has an incredible pacing and, and tone to him. But I, I was in a discussion yesterday about respect and um, getting criticism from people more towards the center than myself over a couple of statements I made um, and saying, well, wouldn't King show more respect? And if you really read mm. King and his commentary on the American liberal who tells the African-American to wait for civil rights, he is withering in his contempt for them. Uh, but he has such a marvelous way of saying it. Right. Um, I wish I could have someday approached that way of saying it. Because um, going back to where we were before that break, I think it's really interesting that since the 2008 crash, 
we have been more liberated to talk about the C word, to talk about capitalism, mm -hmm. to actually talk about capitalism as a failed system. And I think that's what was reflected in a lot of the the recent election was 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 the failure of of, of capitalism as a systemic thing, as something that provides a, a decent standard of living and stability and security for a majority of the people. It's not doing that. Uh, yet at the same time, I, I have to agree with Alice when I say that for those who um, for those who supported this new regime. Um, who did rubber stamp uh, the the hideous violation of the norms that guide my principles and my community? Uh, I have no respect for them. I have no tolerance for them. Um, I have no common ground with a racist. I have no common ground with a person who would divide us by our sexual preferences. I have no common ground uh, with a person who is sexist, who believes that you know that the. I don't even want to repeat what was said during the campaign. Yes, I have, I have no common ground with that. Um, and so, so that begs a tactical question. Right, right. right? It does. Yeah. Because you probably, if, if a revolution is to succeed, some common ground needs to be found, does it not? Right. I think that one of the reasons why I like being a coalition type person mm -hmm. and a coalition builder is it tempers my own uh, approach. Uh, and there's so many people out there who are doing so many things who I respect so much that, you know, at, there's there are times where my private criticism of their actions will be withering. And yet when I'm in, in conversation with them, I see what they're doing. I see what they stand for. And I can't be that withering. I have to understand that, again, as long as it's progressive, as long as it's not uh, blatantly racist and sexist, I will stand in coalition. So yeah, that kind of speaks to the nature of what kind of revolution we want to have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in, in talking about capitalism and King, to me, that's obviously one of the great tragedies of his assassination and the timing of it is that he had, you know, only somewhat recently really turned his efforts towards that critique on capitalism. And um, you know, we'll unfortunately never know what sort of solidarity could have evolved um, out and under his leadership um, on that. Yeah, we're still there. We're still trying to you know, make sure that those those connections are, are are understood. And again, yeah, it's unfortunate that that was. That was the final campaign in the in the evolution. The, the other thing that happened in this conversation about respect was the person had said, didn't didn't MLK teach us X, Y and Z? And I said, no, I, I don't think MLK taught us anything. I think he was a really conflicted human being who adjusted his tactics, um, you know, during this period of. Of, of uprising and of tumult in this country and always adjusted his thinking and tactics. So I don't think we're taught anything. I think we can look to it and say, oh, yeah, um, each situation is different. We need to adjust our tactics to the situation. And I, I am, I'm fully in favor of that, but I'm also in favor, as Alice mentioned, of respecting the diversity of tactics as well. Right. So I, I am in deep sympathy and in coalition with people who believe in a purely peaceful approach to um, to, to uh, resistance and to community building, but I uh, I also believe that we need to defend ourselves 
and we yeah. need to defend ourselves rigorously and sometimes we need to defend ourselves aggressively and sometimes we need to take the offensive and i and again i think that a lot of what we're doing with these workshops that's what that is about it's about saying if we are living in a failed system how do we do these things for ourselves yeah. right mm. right well and the strength of having a coalition of of groups and individuals who um who have differing activist perspectives and techniques is that we don't have to limit ourselves to only one. We can have folks in our coalition engaging in one sort or another sort, and we can have the strengths of all of those in mm-hmm. in our movement, in our revolution. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also want to mention to my wonderful, wonderful friends here in Bloomington and the surrounding area, uh, our workshops and the march and the rally are going to be a blast. We are going to have fun. Uh, right. you, need, you need not worry. We have people working security. It is going to be a safe event to bring out your family to, but it's also going to be there's a certain militancy that we want to maintain, and we want you to come out and join in that militancy at whatever level is comfortable to you. Mm-hmm. And there is child care provided. Is that right? Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, did I... So we have we have some folks working to put together our child care plan at the last minute. Um, we've actually had less uh, uh, we've had fewer requests for child care than we expected, um, which maybe actually means that folks have some reasonable child care in town, which would be kind of amazing given this economy. Um, right. But we have a few folks um, putting together not just uh, some child care options, um, but we've we've also got a youth block that we are um, we're developing. Um, this will mostly be for the march and um, perhaps the rally. But um, in addition to having uh, child care provided during the day, um, which you need to sign up for, so we can figure out what we're doing. Um, so, so we can plan. I mean, we 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 really can't. Yeah. We can't have fifty kids suddenly on the day of. We we're volunteers. There aren't that many of us. Um, right. But so anybody who's yeah. listening, who's maybe on the fence right. about coming, but has a concern about childcare, they can reach Let out. Let us yes. know. Yeah. 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 Tonight. I, I, I have to we're say, on the email. Right, tonight. I have to say, <laughs> at this time, I'm going to embarrass them, but. I am in awe of my co-organizers, Alice, Alex, and Stanley. Um, they have been working just tirelessly. So we are, yeah, we're trying to take care of every aspect of this. Uh, so child care, yeah, get in touch with us if you need it. But we're also, again, this is going to be a lot of fun. It's about, a, it's about community empowerment. Uh, the rally is going to be music. It's going to be inspiration. It's going to be performance. It's going to be like nothing you've seen. So come on out and, and, and lend your energy to it. That's yeah. what we really want. And march with us. Before oh, the rally, there's a march, and uh, we've been keeping a close eye on the uh, the weather forecast. It's looking like 50s and probably not raining at that point in the day. Um, so, so what I was saying earlier is that we were putting together a, a youth block, which mm. we're hoping will be a group of children and young people um, who can walk together in the march and kind of feel empowered together as as children because you're you don't become you don't reach adulthood and some suddenly have power children have power and one of the wonderful things about being a child is that um one of the powers of being a child is that people have this kind of respect for you this this care around you so you can actually do some really 
you can carry a sign with a, a really strong message and maybe not receive the sort of backlash that maybe Joe here would, if you know. <laughs> um, and so, so we're we're putting together. We just we have a Facebook group um, that is. It's just forming. We're hoping to just have some discussion among parents who might want to come with their children um, to the march and the rally to figure out the logistics for that, um, how, how that might work best. Um, we've got some, some of our friends who have children who are putting that together. Um, and I think we're going to be posting that from our Facebook page soon if, if folks want to kind of jump in on that discussion. Yeah, yeah, we've really agonized over have we covered every angle, and and my my co-organizers have been fantastic at saying, all right, are we are we making sure that this constituency is welcome? Are we making sure that we've covered this potential problem? So I think we got everything covered. I think that that people are really going to enjoy themselves, and they're really going to get a taste of what we are capable of when yeah. we come together like that because that's that's just vital our capacities going forward are going to be really really vital because uh, we don't know yet we don't know what what kind of threats and i think already already we're seeing it already we're seeing people in the streets we're seeing people at the state houses we're seeing people fighting back already we're seeing people completely de delegitimating uh the the ruling power of this incoming regime it's already happening and it's fantastic I mean, if we can cripple this incoming regime as much as, as possible through our actions, that'll be less work to do in the future and, and maybe even less dangerous work because we, we face dangerous times. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, sadly, we just have a couple of minutes left. So any last thoughts in terms of, you know, talking to our community? Uh, you've done a good job describing sort of the ethos behind it and a lot of the events. Um, but this is your your last 60 or 120 seconds or so. Do you want to go? Uh, um, it's funny that, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time thinking about organizing and about community resistance and about action. And I'm, we're at a point now that I did not expect to be at uh, in my lifetime. Um, and it's, it, it's we, we live in interesting times. And I think that is something that people need to be asking themselves right now. What are you willing to do? Um, we have a flawed system. We have flawed communities. We have flawed individuals all together. Uh, that creates a lot of problems, but there's also a lot of good. There's also a lot of power. And people need to ask themselves, what kind of future do you want to live in? What are you willing to do to get there? And it, and it needs to be different from what we've kind of fallen into here. Mm -hmm. Good questions. Alice, last thoughts? I'm still excited about the march. I keep going back to it, but... Um especially following the the news that came out today about this this um this bill being introduced um i'm really excited to take to the streets with our community and with hundreds of people we have literally hundreds of people who are going to show up to this maybe a thousand um and we're we're going to march. We're going to take to the streets. We're going to inconvenience some folks in cars in the downtown area for a few minutes. It's gonna be okay. And I mean that. I mean this is one of our last remaining forms of free speech. You know, and I think that's going to be a really powerful moment together as Co a community. Collective power works. Collective demands work. Chelsea Manning's gonna walk out of jail. That's that's right. That's mm -hmm. fantastic. So yeah. we we need to do things like that all the time everywhere. That's right. All right. Well, sadly, that's all the time we have to, for Interchange tonight. I want to give big thanks to you both, Alice Corey and Joe Varga, for joining me to discuss 
The event coming up this January 20th, a day-long teach-in and rally, inaugurate the revolution. Thank you both so much. We'll close with Pharaoh Sanders. The creator has a master plan off the 1969 album Karma. Next time on Interchange, the quilts of Southwest China. In Southwest China, traditional bed coverings and other household items have been made, like American quilts, of small pieces of fabric that are patched and appliqued together to form artistic, functional textiles. A groundbreaking international exhibition has been organized by a binational consortium of Chinese and American museums that has worked together to document and research these textiles, art forms dating back over 3,000 years, but really little known outside certain ethnic minority communities in China. One of these museums is the Mathers Museum of World Cultures here at Indiana University, which is hosting the exhibition beginning Saturday, January 21st. The Quilts of Southwest China next time on Interchange, Tuesdays at 5.30 on WFHB. Remember, you can go to our website to download any episode of Interchange that you scandalously missed, wfhb.org slash news slash interchange. You can also look for us on iTunes and PRX. Thank you for listening. I'm Jennifer Brooks, sitting in for Doug Storm. Doug Storm produces Interchange. Assistant producer is Rob Schoon. Our board engineer tonight is also Rob Schoon, and our executive producer is Joe Crawford. Stay tuned for Counterspin, followed by the Jazz Menagerie, coming up next on your community radio station, WFHB. WFHB.